0: Welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for August 29th of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson.
1: I'm Cameron Walsh.
0: And welcome back. We were on a, a summer hiatus there for a little bit. Um, just weren't many topics to talk about, but in past week and a half or two weeks or so, um, some interesting things started happening. So... Um, most recently, um, lots of talk about the NHL and expansion. And part of that talk is probably coming from the fact it's late August and there's not much to talk about, but this isn't a, this isn't necessarily a new topic. This is something that's always kind of been on on the side, a real thing that is going to happen. Um, the conferences, aren't balanced right now. So um, adding two more teams would give the NHL 32, which would give four equal divisions, which is something I think they're shooting for. Um so
1: did it did it feel to you like when they did the, the realignment that they set it up purely because they knew they wanted two more teams and they were always going to put them out west? That's sort of what it felt like to me. It's like, bang, we're set. We're right to go. Because there's no point in relocating an Eastern team across to the West and make it 15 and 15 because there's no money in that. The the owners don't get any money from expansion fees and all that sort of stuff. So it makes perfect sense to have two teams come in in the next, you know, three or four years and have it be,
0: as far as I'm concerned, too many teams. Well, we'll get into all the potential dilution or dil, you know diluting the product um, in a little bit, but no, I think you're right. And I think one of the biggest things to that we should point out is the expansion fees are going to be huge. Big money for the NHL and I don't think that ties into HRR. Which, no,
1: that goes straight to the owners. That's what I was going to ask So, sure that goes straight to
0: them. Yeah, that was a big part of uh, the new CBA. Um, I think they kind of left that part to them. as it, yep. They got their 50-50, but not quite this part of the 50-50. So.
1: Yeah, but that'll work out. More jobs, technically more teams, more revenue. Then that gets split towards the players. So they will get some of it. But yeah, they don't get a big chunk of that chain. They get no chunk of that change that comes directly to the owners with that fee so it's the players good. can't complain
0: it's good for both parties in the long run up front yeah. the owners are are going to get their nice fees from that so obviously pro sports being a business um, of course they're going to look to create new revenue and expanding it um, to teams I have mixed thoughts about expansion and in general, but I don't think two is going to crush the product. Um, Mind you, I don't think the product's always great, but I don't think two more teams is really going to change it all that much. It's certainly not going to help steer it in the right direction. When you start talking about four teams, which there were slight whispers of that, that's that's not good. One, you're not going to have your symmetry of the divisions if you add four which no. um, but you start to you're talking about a hundred more players in the league uh, I just I don't like the thought of four
1: I, I, I might have tweeted this this morning on, on my way to work that just as the league starts to, to get that depth and the quality of, of, of the play itself starts to rise it's like they go oh we're almost there let's add two more teams and and filter it out yet again it it sort of feels like that when all the mid-90 expansion started and you know those areas have done really well with hockey and stuff like that but it almost feels like they should have waited three or four more years where it felt like the talent was bursting at the seams so that those teams could succeed straight away that's probably where i i have an issue with the timing of this but it makes it makes sense the the owners want the, the revenue well the owners want the money it's excluded from the HRR so they get it the players don't and and I get it as you said from a business sense but from a product on the ice I'm a little baffled and and the other thing is it sounds as though Vegas is a sure thing the question is where would they go after that you hear
0: Seattle you know Kansas City maybe Uh, Quebec City obviously but that's east so that and they
1: won't get they won't go east the two they're going to do are going to go west that's just how they're going to do it
0: Yeah um Seattle I think is has potential as a market I think they're they have a, a pretty good sports market there obviously they lost the the SuperSonics for the NBA <laughs> they actually yes you are a SuperSonics fan yes Correct. (laughs) I was. Are you a a Kevin Durant, Oklahoma City fan?
1: No, I'm a Sean Kent, Seattle Super Sonics fan. And that's the thing. If they get the Sonics back, I'll get back into basketball. I totally lost interest in basketball once the Sonics left. So, um, well, that new arena they want to put in there is supposed to put them in a situation where they can have both hockey and and, and basketball. So, um, and you're right, Seattle's a great sports town. Let's be honest. So, I could see them being able to to fill a hockey arena Um, as long as the team's good reasonably quickly.
0: I I like the idea of Vancouver having a uh, rival within proximity. Regional rival. Because they're really kind of on an island geographically. Yeah, how far away Seattle to Vancouver? It's just a drive, isn't it? It's a decent drive, but it's much better than Alberta. Yeah, <laughs> and th- those are the two closest, and then you got California, yeah. but obviously that's much further south than yeah. Seattle.
1: Yeah, uh, here, you've got the three teams in California anyway. So
0: here's the problem with Seattle. Um, they do not. The reason the Sonics left was they don't. They they weren't going to upgrade the. Uh, I believe it's the Key Arena. Key Arena, that's correct. They don't have anything construction wise going for that new no. arena yet so that's kind of like all right well you know <laughs> they, they need the arena and it's not the really... league won't
1: wait that's the thing like they might miss the nhl boat because they don't have an arena one under construction and they are looking at doing it they don't have one under construction and they don't have one in the pipeline like they're everyone that's tried to get an arena up in Seattle has had it fall apart because they're asking too much from the city of Seattle. So they sort of can't get it going. So until there's an arena under construction, I can't see the NHL jumping on board for a um, for a team there. So they'd have to look somewhere else because if, from what Keith Olbermann said, if Vegas is up to go 2016, they're not going to want to wait much longer than that to add that at that next team in, I think
0: Las Vegas has an arena, it's about 17,500 capacity, and they'll fill that. No worries, correct? Um, they will have endless corporate support, obviously. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Casinos will buy up stuff, comp it out. Um, people will always be in the seats. Um, Business-wise, the NHL is not going to care who's in those seats. But no. um, it's not going it, to – it's a weird dynamic. You're not going to have people at the games that are necessarily Las Vegas fans. Correct.
1: You're going to get a lot of transplants. It,
0: it's it's kind of a gimmicky crowd. Yeah.
1: Isn't that one of the arguments with the Florida teams as well?
0: Or even is uh, it, Phoenix?
1: Yeah. So all the nice warm climate areas have all the transplants, and, and that's one of the problems in regards to home crowd atmosphere, I suppose.
0: Times it by 10 in Vegas, though. That's a real different animal.
1: I've, yeah. I've heard
0: that Vegas is um
1: is a place unto itself.
0: Um. My brother actually lives there. He'll, he'll be thrilled if they have an NXT <laughs> team. Um, but I don't know how many of him there are out in Vegas to where there'll be local, I'm going to root for uh, the Las Vegas whatever's, the, the Las Vegas Nick Papa Georgios. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Las Vegas Yeagers. Um Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I suppose they're going to have to have an X amount of Actual
0: people, season ticket holders, aren't they? Well, I think the corporates going to take care of tons of it. I mean, I don't. It won't fail. It just will be a a weird crowd. So, from a money standpoint, I don't think there's much risk in it. Um, I know it's risky to to uh, move or put a team into the gambling capital of the United States.
1: Are there any other major
0: league sports no, that have got would teams be the first. In... Okay. Yeah, okay. But it could be a coup for the NHL, testing the waters and being successful there. Being a, a business leader in that sense, if it works. NHL's not always the leader amongst the, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and NBA. This would be one thing that they could do that could yeah. kind of... Be bold that the other yep. um, leagues just haven't done. From a financial standpoint, I really don't see a downside to it. The only downside would just be the blase crowds that you know. Yeah, who's well, there who's there that week that the casino gave the tickets to?
1: Yeah. And who's paying enough attention to get excited at what you'd call the, the right time and the Yeah, so it would be interesting to see how they put the show on to try and get the crowd involved. I mean, and nobody in that arena is going to care who wins, in a sense. Like, Some will. The ownership yeah. the ownership's not going to care, as long as the people walk in the door. So the funny part
0: is they don't need... Uh, the Las Vegas team will not need crowd support to have home ice advantage, depending on the curfews and... Um, how the visiting teams handle their players when they're in ah. <laughs> Las Vegas.
1: So it's, it's, it's visiting team disadvantage is what you're saying.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's that's <laughs> an inter- that's really ramping it up. Like you go to New York uh, City, it's a great town. Toronto, I'm sure. A lot of things. Vegas is just known for one thing, and that's <laughs> having a great time.
1: It's, it's funny how many tweets you saw once the Vegas thing sort of got a little bit of momentum. Being a Pittsburgh fan, it's, all I saw was like, Jaeger, 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 Jaeger. And there are a few other players that have apparently got gambling issues um, that you saw pop up in my timeline as well. But you just sit there and just go, my goodness.
0: The Las Vegas Jaeger bombs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Actually, the name, you know, I think a, a great name for the Seattle team would be the Sasquatch, to be perfectly honest. But um, and I reckon they could come up with a really cool logo for that. But that, that you know, it's one of those things where it's not exactly a short name to put on a jersey and stuff. So, so it would be interesting to see what
0: name they come up with. Now, Kansas City um, is another place that has – from what I gather, a pretty beautiful new arena. They don't have a basketball team or a hockey team. And back a few years ago, Mario Lemieux used them as leverage for the Penguins to get their new arena. Kansas City Penguins. Yeah, that was um, not really sold on how close that ever was, but Mario uh, did a nice job of using them as scare tactics to get what he needed and i thought it was well played on his part
1: i think it's get what he wanted more than what he needed i don't think i i I think he pushed it to get exactly what he wanted which as a businessman that's what you do
0: but that but they have the arena um so it's technically an empty arena because are there any pro teams that are playing out of it I'm sure there are pro teams, but as we, as we talk about the classic approach of uh, the four major sports. Yes, there isn't one there. Obviously, yeah. the only two major sports that play out of arenas are hockey and basketball. They have neither at the highest level. They have
1: two of the other sports. They do have an NFL team and a basketball and a baseball team, don't they?
0: Yes, and they actually, I'll give it's a shout-out shout to the Royals. They've had a great year, and they haven't had many of those, so good for you. <laughs> But um, hockey has been there. The Kansas City Scouts were an NHL team there, and it didn't work. Um, I don't know much about the hunger for hockey in Kansas City to kind of feel comfortable about you know, selling it as a, a hockey market. I, I do feel comfortable about Seattle, um, but I, I guess I'm in kind of a gray area about Kansas City. I, I just don't know if it would work. I assume it would work a little bit better than Atlanta did, who also had a previous NHL team that was brought yeah. back. But yeah. I don't know. I, I just don't I, see them as a. I pretty-
1: think what's reliant upon working in Kansas City, and this is what didn't happen with the Thrashers, is the general manager getting them to work quickly getting them to be successful quickly and, and those season ticket holders having a reason to keep renewing their their season tickets. That's what's going to make them survive. And I don't know. And, and that's a raffle. You know what I mean? You, you, just, you could get there and put in a great GM and he just screws three years up and then they're behind 10 years in regards to their development. So it's it's really tough. Like it, it the way teams grow can really make or break our uh, market. I think that was Atlanta's problem. I, they just weren't any good, and then teams just got bored. I mean,
0: Atlanta's a real shitty sports town, though. They really are. It's they jump on
1: and off real quick, don't they?
0: It. I, I don't know how to explain it. They just they just it's weird. They they <laughs> they, they don't support professional sports at a high level there um for any of them really the braves were awesome in the 90s for baseball yeah. and, that's and after, after a certain level. point like it was taken for granted and their playoff games would be at like i think i'm being generous 75 percent capacity yeah that's just wrong um because it was a yearly thing they, they kicked ass every year uh mm-hmm. The Falcons with Michael Vick, obviously, that generated um, a lot of interest and whatnot. But the Atlanta Hawks have never drawn well. The Thrashers clearly never could. Yeah. So, so could
1: Michael Vick play in Vegas?
0: For No. no the NFL <laughs> will never touch Vegas. The NFL loves to pretend that their league is not driven by gambling when absolutely oh, the that? only reason that... League is the most popular in north america or united states is gambling gambling. i I did a fantasy football draft tonight Uh, (laughs) the reason i'm gonna watch a redskins cardinals game and mind you i don't even know if that's on the schedule this year but two teams i could give a crap about is because i've invested in fantasy football it's not because the sport is fun to watch at all times now mind you it can be great to watch. There are great games, but not as many as people are led to believe. I think that sport is a lot more boring than people are willing to admit. But it is tailor-made for straight-up gambling with point spreads, and fantasy football is a very intriguing and fun thing to take part in. So
1: I think the um, the AFL has just had a change of their their commissioner for want of a better term, for all you U.S. guys. And I have a feeling the new commission is pushing the AFL to the NFL model in regards to how it runs and stuff like that with the gambling aspect of it and those sorts of things. So the deals and...
0: I don't have a problem with the gambling aspect of it. If if that's what drives your league, that's fine. As long as you have a total grip on the officiating and the players not taking part in it, embrace it. Yeah, um. uh, but you can
1: you can just see the way the AFL here is going. It's becoming, for want of a better term, more NFLized in regards to the way it's, it's run, the way it's um, presented on TV. They've, they've taken a lot of aspects from the NFL, and so they should. So the, the TV product the NFL produces is really good, because as far as I'm concerned, there's only about 15 minutes of game time in a Forty-eight minute game with the way the NFL runs, so or is it sixty minute? Are they fifteen minute quarters
0: in the NFL? Fifteen, yeah, yep,
1: correct. Yeah, well, there's no, there's no way there's sixty minutes of game time with the way that game's played. So they do it, they do an, ex- they do an extremely, yeah, they do an extremely good job of making it interesting. Like the TV product's fantastic. I mean, we actually in the AFL the clock stops pretty frequently, so that a twenty minute quarter basically runs out to be about 30 minutes of running time on the TV so it fits it, it fits really well in regards to actual game time being played but the NFL do a really good job of making the, the, the TV product interesting and well they have to, they've got so much dead time to fill so if they can't do that no one will watch,
0: they have, gambling or not they have three hour games yeah to a T, well scheduled it's made for TV it's yes. it's a really polished product as far as uh, the presentation of it but do you strip if if I told you tomorrow or told everybody tomorrow that you could not do fantasy football or or gamble on football oh it's toast it's it's, it's not toast cuz it's still interesting i i mean i'm a <laughs> I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, and I would still watch their games. And it's been a long time since they've been <laughs> worth a damn. But we'll listen to the. Tony well, you would voice. watch. You would you would watch your favorite team still. You just wouldn't follow the league holistically like you yeah. do with the gambling aspect. Um, so, yeah. Well, we're about to
1: head into the finals for the AFL here, and um, I've not really shown an interest in it um, at all this year. So this will be the, you know, we've got. Five weeks, of the, five weeks of the year left. So we've got this week and then four weeks of finals. And um, that'll be the most interest I've shown all year. And then hockey starts, basically. So it works out really well.
0: Wow, that's pretty nice.
1: It does. Into September and then I think it's, what, the 5th or 6th of October, a hockey season starts. So it's like, thank God.
0: Now, what's one thing that these expansion teams can do to elevate their success quicker
1: analytics <laughs> analytics analytics do i win
0: yes you do win um <laughs> obviously there'll be an expansion draft of some sort when they finally figure out um when they're going to yeah, do, do gonna, this um yeah. i don't know i mean i i just did a <clears throat> blog today on the metropolitan division on the kind of players each team would keep on a hypothetical expansion draft if it were to happen before this season, just to kind of, you know, get a feel for how it would work, and each team's got to
1: expose a couple of players they don't want to expose. And I suppose Not always. That's the... Some of these teams no, 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 just people, aren't good.
0: Well, <laughs> true. but you look Some at of these teams of it, want to expose players, so they take their crappy contracts off of them. Well, it's it's funny because you got there with that
1: and you have a look at the Rick Nash because there were a few guys that thought Rick Nash should get exposed no, purely to no, get that. his... No, no, I understand your reasons for that. Just to get his contract off the books and your arguments for, for keeping him on the team are, are valid, but the, the argument for kicking him off, to t- well, exposing him for the contracting makes perfect sense as well. I, I can see both sides of that coin.
0: I wouldn't use him as the example. Um, I know a lot of people beat him up during the playoffs because the goal yeah. totals weren't there, but he, 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 much like Crosby, was playing in the other end more times than not. And quite frankly, those guys both have talent. Crosby had an injury. Nash, um, don't... Think had an injury, but I mean, let's be honest. If if you're playing fifty-five percent possession, you, the breaks are going to start to go your way more times than not. That just didn't happen to go that way for Nash in the in the playoffs. In that run. Yeah, and it happens. He's a thirty-goal scorer still. I know the seven-point-eight millions a lot, but I mean, the Rangers lose him. Then what are they? Yeah, they've got no no scoring
1: punch. Really they they already
0: lost. That. Pouliot, uh, Strawman—they lost a lot. What made them great with depth? You're going to give away your one of your best forwards after that. I mean, give away Richards? Well, that one made sense in a buyout. Uh, I mean, that, oh no, that, no,
1: no, I understand that, but the guy still can set people up. That's the that's the thing. He can still rack up the assists. But you know what I'm saying? Oh no, no, I'm and just know'm being
0: a smartest. I know what you were saying about about that. I guess the curious thing with an expansion draft in the modern era, what happens with the no-trade clauses? And I don't have a total grasp on... Oh, good point. What would happen with that? On one hand, the NHLPA is going to fight for those no-trade clauses. But at the other hand... If you add two teams to the league, I would think that they would fight harder for 50 new jobs on average. Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a fairly good argument when you sit down and, and you think about it. Because it's like, surely at, you'd want jobs, wouldn't at, you?
0: At the end of the day, player A has a no trade clause, and the team is kind of like, uh, we signed this, and it's not looking terrific at this point in time. Let's expose him in this expansion draft. Well, the NHLPA, of course, is going to want to respect his no-trade clause. But at the same time, he's going to get paid. He's not going to lose money if he goes to Las Vegas, Seattle, Kansas City, Quebec. You know what I mean? He's going to get all of his money. Are they going to sacrifice his personal happiness with Destination over 50 new jobs?
1: No, I, I, I don't say. know.
0: I, I just don't know how they would do it. Uh the last expansion draft was in two thousand. That's fourteen years ago. With wow, that's geez, it doesn't feel that long ago. Good but, grief. But but there was no salary cap then. There's there's just a lot of different things. And my blog piece today on the Metropolitan Division. Um, or yesterday I suppose now Um, it was geared under the former rules because I just didn't feel like I could guess what what they would do now
1: there's there's no point guessing I mean it's just too hard so
0: it's interesting but um, I guess the one thing these new teams should do is like you you said analytics. Where can we find the diamonds in the rough? Maybe it's not a diamond. Maybe maybe it's you know doesn't have to be a superstar that you're finding out of nowhere. It just one needs to be th- a productive player.
1: I suppose one of the things that the new expansion teams are gonna have a small advantage with is that the cap's gonna be high. You know what I mean, like they're going to be able to go in and actually this this is where the players will win out. They're probably going to have to pick up some UFAs and they're probably going to have to overpay. So that's where those players are probably going to do all right because there's going to be – like 2016, there's some big names that come out. I think Stamkos comes out 2016. I think Kopitar's out of contract 2016. Not suggesting those players would leave their clubs or, or anything like that. But you get there and go, I'd like him to stay in Tampa, but if he leaves, I can't see him going to Las Vegas. I can see him going back to Toronto because they'll
0: freak out. Toronto's the one.
1: Yeah. yeah. But So just using those two guys, there are going to be... Players, if 2016 is the year that they come in, that they could totally overspend, and then they can use the analytics to to fill the holes. And you you look at there and you go for what the Oakland A's did with their baseball stuff. For the first couple of years, you just you want to try and get into the playoffs. You don't necessarily have to win a round, but for the first three years, you want to get to the playoffs. Year four, you don't want to still be looking for your first playoff spot, I suppose, for an expansion team in this day and age because it's so hard to to get people to stick because everyone's attention span is so short. You want to try and get new hockey fans on board. um, You need to get into the playoffs. So you're going to have to, you know, construct a playoff team just to get there, not necessarily look at the long term of, you know, seven or eight years, we'll construct a team that's going to make the playoffs, you know, like the Detroit Red Wings many years in a row because well, I suppose it might be different in Vegas, but you look at any other market, you have to get them in and you, you have to lock up the fans by with success. Because even the Winnipeg fans are starting to crack the shit with that organization.
0: Oh, they should. They've not done a good job at all. <laughs> Correct. Agree with that. But you
1: can, you've you only got
0: goodwill in a, in a new area for so long. Yeah, but what if the Oakland A's ever won? I love oh, that argument.
1: No, Yeah, and yeah, and I'm not making the argument that they can win with it, but you use that model to get you into the playoffs, and then you can look
0: for a long-term solution.
1: That's <laughs> I, de- sort I of what despise
0: I mean. that argument. I, I hate that argument, actually. The Oakland A's should be a bottom-barrel team with their spending power in an uncapped league, yet here they are competing with uh, teams like the Anahe- or Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim who have just endless money to spend. But they're there in the thick of things every year with their limited budget. Gee, how does that happen? Here's the nice thing about hockey. There's a salary cap. Everybody has the same playing field. So analytics in hockey have more power than in baseball because in baseball, if you happen to <clears throat> be in a certain market, uh, New York, LA, Chicago. Uh, I'm sure there's a few others in there. You can spend out of your problems, whereas the Oakland A's can't do that. And maybe sometimes the Oakland A's lose players that they do like, that they just yeah. can't afford. So they have to go dumpster diving for more, which they're really great dumpster divers. Didn't I lose Ken Griffey? Who's that?
1: I oh, know that was Seattle. Don't mind me. I'm I'm in the wrong market.
0: <laughs> but the point stands. I mean, oh, the Oakland A's have never won the World Series. Well, you know what? They shouldn't be making the playoffs, really.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. They shouldn't so even be coming if,
0: close. Be if honest. we
1: get there, we shifted back into a, a cap market, and it's a hard cap. It's not like the NBA. So if it's a if it's a hard cap. You have to really try and use the analytics to get that edge, and there's a whole heap of, for one of a better term, nerds in basements that have suddenly got legitimate jobs in the NHL now because they've, you know, their skills have, have been shown to be worth nabbing up, and we've had a couple of websites go down because of their IP. So it's it's been fantastic to see that that teams have actually jumped on board. Now the big thing with the analytics though is that these guys can take the data. And the information to the people that make decisions they've still got to make the decisions they've still got to take the data on board so it'll be interesting to see whether they use it or not
0: um yes and here's the thing um i think it's great that there are teams looking at this valuing it it's not a magic bullet you're gonna look at no. this and i know we've discussed this tons on this podcast It's about increasing probability, and some of these teams have done a just horrible job at helping themselves with the probability of their success. Um, Two of the teams (laughs) that have (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but two of the teams that have done a really poor job with it should be commended highly for their off-season hirings right now. Um, Toronto who has been one of the bigger punching bags. Yeah, that's true. Has done a total 180, and they should be um, feeling pretty good about their future. Now, that doesn't mean next year is going to be a drastic turnaround, but over the long term, yeah. they're not going to have Colt Knorr and Fra- Fraser McLaren playing any minutes for them. In the long term. Those kind of players aren't even going to be considered anymore. And for that reason alone, that's a win. Um, Tyler Bozak probably isn't going to be chosen over Mikhail Grabowski with the current regime. Decisions like that aren't... Clark MacArthur is not a senator if the hires the Leafs made weren't this year, but a few years back. So... You got an assistant GM in Kyle Dubis that um, obviously values the analytical side of things. Um, he's an assistant GM in name. I do think that he...
1: he he's, the, he's the guy?
0: He's knocking on the door. Yeah. Um, so um, Daryl Metcalf, probably the one that affects us all the most better known on Twitter at extra skater. Uh-huh, thank you. <laughs> uh, just a uh, real disappointing. Uh, good for him. I, 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 he deserves all this success. He gets that, that that's, doesn't help.
1: That doesn't help the rest of
0: us. That life. site kicked ass and it's yeah. no longer a resource for us. And boy, oh boy, that um, not to say there aren't other sites out there that are very helpful, But um, his user interface on that site was really easy. And um, it doesn't just hurt people like us. Um, From what I gather, a lot of NHL teams used his site for data. So Toronto, excellent hire. Even if they don't even ask him any questions, just the fact they got his site off the Internet is a win for them. Oh, of
1: course. That's exactly right. Yeah, just, just quickly, in regards to that sort of stuff, I've heard whispers that um, the NHL are looking to incorporate some of the advanced stats into their website. And I've heard that – is it right? Because Sportsnet's got the coverage now. They might be putting some of the analytic stuff into their coverage too. So it might be a bit of a culture shock over the next two seasons for hockey fans to start seeing some of those analytics. They might get forced down their throat. They might not have a choice.
0: Yeah, and you know some people m- may not like it. I think they're, they're more. They're I think useful. they're more of a vocal minority, though. Um, they're they're
1: useful though. That's the thing. It's like these aren't the God particle, and I've used that term before, on on this podcast. But they're really really handy for you to see what player X is doing versus player Y in situation A, and then you can get there and go, well, who would you rather have out on the ice at that particular time? And it makes those decisions simple. And it's the the other article you did the other day in regards to zone entries and exits. That stuff's going to be vital as well for teams analysing whether players have got value or not or whether they need to go back and look at particular game tape to try and help a player change his decision-making in particular decisions. It should help sifting through game tape easier for for teams, so they can then help players sort out their decision making. So you, hopefully, we'll see improvement in player development as well in those
0: situations too. Yeah, if somebody hires Corey Schneider, uh, better known as Shutdown Line on Twitter, who who is doing that amazing data tracking uh, project with the zone uh, exits, zone entries, and all that stuff, that's going to be a rough one too, because. Um, that's, yeah, you're big
1: on that. You quite like that data that you've got. That's a real,
0: um, it's a real game changer. Um, you can quantify with data some of the more important aspects of hockey and how you create possession going through the neutral zone and how you continue that possession into the offensive zone. And he's putting statistical data to that. Whereas before, yeah, obviously we all watch hockey and we all know the things that – um it's you know help with that but to quantify it is excellent because like we've always said you can't watch every game some to quantify the eye test really helps to to um there's so many so much hockey played in the nhl you're not going to see everything. And, and the, there might be some guys you have preconceived notions about, but when you look at um, the zone exit or the zone entry data and it's telling you something that complete opposite of what you were thinking, then you're like, oh, Okay. I'm going to start paying attention to this a little bit more. You can devote your resources a little bit better, uh, which for us is people who do this more so as a hobby. um, Yeah, it saves us time. We can understand it better quicker. Um, Obviously it's not, we're not, it's not just looking at a stat sheet and, oh, we're good. Everything's good and fine now. No, we love watching. Everybody loves watching hockey, but now we have a, a, a scientific way of understanding it a little bit better. And, um, Man, great for him to be doing this. Um, I, hey,
1: look, I, I find it riveting because I have to use spreadsheets and graphs and all that sort of stuff for what I do in my job. So to see these things pop up for, you know, I absolutely love watching hockey. To see this and be able to go, well, hang on, this person's had an extremely bad game. Let's check the stats and see whether I'm just being biased against this particular player and stuff like that. You can go back, have a look at the stats and go, no, 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 what I saw was right or no, 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 what I saw was wrong. You can go back and have another look and, and just check and see what was it that gave you that perception and to look out for particular things next time around. So it's fun. It, it, it is quite exciting. I, I'm, I'm excited to see these stats. It's always sort of felt like hockey's been the, the youngest brother of the four, the four sports. And it's always been a little bit slow to come on board with some of these stats and, and well with everything i suppose um and to say that it, it's starting to grow up for one of a better turn and turn into an adult it's it's exciting stuff
0: yeah and it's in the infant stages so the conclusions we try and draw right now um we're going to need some repeatability from year to year to um kind of feel a little bit stronger about the uh conclusions we draw from this new yeah. data but um the hockey analysis site Dave, david johnson that that's the other site that um i've done extensive uh research with other than extra skater he had a thing where you know the, the zone can't think of it off the top of my head but he used uh course schneider's data and uh It correlated very strongly with who made the playoffs last year um, and who didn't. Now, everybody that's read it, including, uh, uh, I think, uh, David Johnson himself, has admitted we need to see the repeatability of this data and if it correlates again and again and again. but it was just really interesting because there was a strong correlation between the data that uh, Mr. Schneider has put together and uh, the conclusions that were drawn. So it, it's very interesting to me. At I'd least. Like, uh,
1: you'd, you'd like to see five seasons worth, if not ten, in reality. By the time you get to ten seasons, that yeah, repeatability, you'll get there and go, okay, this stuff's on the money or the the – Standard deviation is too, too large and, and we can't utilize it. But, uh, well, you can't trust it as much as you can with some of the other stats. But if you get all of these stats at the moment and pop them together, you can get a really, really good idea of what a particular player is giving your team on the ice. So general managers, you, that's that's why you hire the analytics people. You get them to get there and you go, all right, I need you to check what this player did last year, the entire year. And you can get, the, and, and get them to compile all of the seven or eight different advanced stats, and then take them to the general manager and go, all right, this is what the data is telling you. Um, my opinion of the player is this. You go and make the call. And then the, the general manager knows what they're getting into. Uh, in other words, a contract like Brooks Orpik wouldn't have happened last year. Well, this offseason, if with, that was not, the case. Now
0: with somebody that values the numbers that we're talking about, hell no. That contract no, you, wouldn't happen at, at two and a half mil, maybe even.
1: And and you cannot quantify, you know, in you know in brackets, leadership, and you can't value experience. Like I, I do understand that. There are certain aspects of any sport that you can't actually get there and put. a Shouldn't number that in.
0: play into the stats though? Like if no, that's... And
1: it, you, no, you, you can't though. That's the thing. He's not that those intangibles, for want of a better term, that
0: Orpik was paid for, is not five mil a year. Yeah, but shouldn't those intangibles, if he's having a positive influence through leadership and experience, shouldn't shouldn't his possession stats, shouldn't there be a positive correlation there? No, because my, my theory with
1: those intangibles is more the stuff off the ice. No, but that's what I'm ice. saying.
0: If... If, no, because if, he, he's, he's if got there's no, a positive no, he's impact he's, with his presence, that there should be a positive impact on the ice as well. And statistically- no, because he's got
1: no wheel. He's got no wheels left. You get there and go. The intangibles that he might provide off the ice would be experience in regards to dealing with guys like Carlson, um, and Olsner, and and talking to them off the ice or at training, at, at practice, and stuff like that. You know letting them know what he does in this particular situation and those sorts of things. Because they've got the mobility to do the stuff that Orpik can't do anymore. That would be where I would put his intangible value.
0: It well, is not
1: five mil a year. And you're right, there should be... So if if Carlson and the, if they play together and their stats improve, you could say Orpik's had a positive effect there. Nah, but his on-ice possession stuff's not going to work. That's I just
0: rich. don't think it's going to happen. No, nah, that's a reach. That's what coaches are for. You don't, you don't pay a, a player big money Correct. for that. That's... I agree. I'm trying to
1: justify where they come from with those intangibles and stuff.
0: And, yeah, you, you've got to
1: give a player some credit for it, but you can't fork out that kind of coin for, for that stuff. It's not in a cap world. If you're Toronto back in the 90s, it didn't make a rat's ass a difference because you've got all the money in the world. You just throw it at whoever you want. But not in a cap world now. You can't afford to do it.
0: I think that's one of the most overrated things in hockey oh, I today. Agree.
1: Yep, I agree. But it's the thing, it's the grit, it's the work rate. Those sorts of things are the things that the old school are still trying to push in regards to why you get a player. Uh, oh. his toughness. It doesn't work.
0: It works if they're good at hockey. That's great, but you know,
1: yeah, but that's the crutch they <laughs> sit on a player when he can't play hockey. That's that's what they use is they oh you've got to – you've got a pick that guy up because he gives you these things. Well, what else does he give us on the ice? Nothing. We won't get him.
0: Well, Toronto was that team. They won't be that team anymore. So it'll be really interesting. Uh, Edmonton, you know, they hire Tyler Dello, who his long... Did a
1: very good, did a very good job of um, uh, exposing that franchise, actually.
0: His long-form writing... And, and the kind of things he did were tremendous. And yeah. I, you know, there, there are certainly people out there that will dismiss the quality of work he did. Because um, at times, you know, he could come off with an abrasive personality. <laughs> but... My argument to that is you have a guy that's pouring in so much effort to, to pull all the data together, make sense of it, have hypothesis and, and have conclusions. And, you know, Twitter is obviously a public forum. He had tons of followers, um, some prominent, well-known people that would drill him and they would drill him without doing any work at all. They would just say, no, you're, you're full of shit. That's the bit that I like, and you know, if you put that much work in, and somebody that just comes up to you and says you're full of it, without putting any effort into their counterpoint, I can see where you start to get, yep, you know, more of a sandpaper approach with people. Yep, and but
1: if they can't, it, it's it's like um, it's like when just Yowie got there today and said that Fleury's. Was, was more consistent this year and, and there was that whole statistical argument that he, he wasn't particularly more consistent, that's the stuff that as a mainstream media person now, you don't have that luxury to just throw a thought process out there and not back it up with something because somebody online who understands the statistical data Will write something that can refute you, so you have to do a lot
0: more work. Yeah, to them it's some asshole in a in a basement, but yeah, in, correct. But in reality, it's a lot of bright people that you know love looking at this kind of stuff and and have you know scientific yeah. method backing their approach.
1: Yep, and and that's the that's the thing that's that's fantastic about it is that. You can't get there and just go, oh, you're a nobody. You go, Well, look at the numbers. The numbers are there. Like I haven't created I haven't made this math up. The maths is there. So
0: That's the greatest thing. Hey. Oh, who are you? You got three hundred followers. You're you're a nobody. No, actually I've presented this data and I've done it in a in a quality way. And you know, you don't get to control the narrative anymore. Mainstream media guy who's just been lazy with your work for years you you have a way with your words and how you put them in print but your substance isn't there
1: <laughs> no and they can't hide you and that's the thing that i like if only there was a way to do this with stuff that was more important than hockey it would be great because it's it's great that everybody's got to quantify what they're saying now so you can't you can't just like you said create a narrative if you're the the beat writer for a a team, you can't just make stuff up Now You've got to put the work in and either do the research in the room or you've got to do the research in the numbers because people are just going to expose you for running a narrative that's not there.
0: Yeah, like Sidney Crosby. Correct. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. People that put in hard work will will start to get rewarded, and and those that just want to rely on ancient stereotypes will um, fall by the wayside. Maybe not all at once, but over time they will. I think the people that work hard deserve to be rewarded. I think that's the direction things are headed in. So that's how I feel about
1: it. It'll be fun to see where where it does all end up by the time we get to 2020. Because it'll be... um it'll be that's basically what five years away now six i suppose so it'll be an extremely different landscape when it comes to comes to how that all filters out and moves forward
0: yeah
1: um just just quickly with the we say we get a new team in because it's the conor mcdavid draft this one coming up isn't it
0: that's the rumor
1: all right so just you know that's the way i've sort of always heard it so if that's if that's the case say expansion teams came in they don't get a crack at that number one pick do they
0: as a general rule they won't i don't think the nhl's in a spot to expand quite that quickly
1: no 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 no. i'm just using that i'm just using that particular draft as an example so say Mac, say conor mcdavid was 2016 and say Buffalo was tanking for that in 2016. I'm just using them as an example because that's what everyone's been saying as a general rule. Um, you'd be kind of jacked off if you were Terry Pagula, wouldn't you? That'd be freaking leverage. Comes yeah, you know what I mean? So it, that's the thing that I find interesting with expansion. They usually get middle of, the, middle of the draft, don't they? They get a couple of picks in there and then it's the same all the way through all the rounds, isn't it?
0: Man, I don't know about that. Yeah, I remember sometimes. Atlanta getting a pretty high pick. Yeah. Was that how they got Kavlachuk? No, I don't think that was. No. Oh, don't look it, don't
1: I am, look it up. I am. I, I, am. I know. I, am. I can hear you typing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> List of Atlanta Thrashers draft picks. 1999. Round one, pick one. They got the Holy first crap. overall pick. Patrick Stefan. Whoops.
1: Oh, there you go. And, okay, so that's the example that I mean. They got the number one pick that year. Who was number two that year?
0: Okay, well, <clears throat> they actually traded away. Okay, this gets a little bit confusing. Now, okay, the Atlanta Thrashers got the first pick from Tapavet. Tampa Bay via Vancouver. So there was a lot of trading going on. Oh, good grief. Um,
1: So they actually went out of their way to make a splash to get number one pick that year. Stefan. Ugh, jeez.
0: Do you care to wager who went two and three to the same team? To Atlanta? No, no. Uh, Picks two and three went to the same team. And the players... Looked the same. Oh, the
1: Sedine twins. Yep. And that's where the trades were made with Vancouver. Correct. Because they, yeah. Oh my goodness, they could have had, yeah, they could have had one of those two, or just done the exact same thing and made sure they got them at, at one and two rather than two and three. That's amazing.
0: So that I, don't, would I don't know that where would... the original lot was for uh, Atlanta in that year. They obviously yeah. trade it up, yes. From what I get. Yeah,
1: and that that's sort of the, the question that I'm I'm kind of asking. It's like whoever the new teams are when they come in, it, it makes sense for them to get high draft picks so they can fill their roster with talent quickly and, and move the club forward. I mean, that's what the AFL have done over here. They've given, you know, priority picks to the we've had expansion over here too. We've had two new teams come in. Um, over the last couple of years, and they've been given extra salary cap space and they've been given you know, extra draft picks at the pointing end of the draft to try and get quality talent in to start to become good quickly. And the thing that's funny about that, well, not so much funny, but disappointing with that, is that one of the top draft picks for one of the teams has blown out his knee for the second year in a row. So it's a bit like... You know, it's a little bit Rick DiPietro in, in a sense. All the talent in the world just can't stay healthy. So that could be a, a big problem for that particular football club.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to look back through the, the late 90s to, to kind of find out what, what they've done in the past with this. And I can't really... There's a lot of trades going on here. Patrick <laughs> Steffa. Yeah. It's, That's
1: a little bit like the Alexander Daigle draft pick. Yeah. You know? I mean Ottawa have done well to, you know, be who they are and all that sort of stuff, but you know, that particular draft pick, you know, and Alexi Yashin as well, you know, really oh, Kovachuk was first pick in two thousand and one.
0: That may be so, but that, I think that was a result of the team actually playing like crap. Yeah, not, no, not, that's, not a gifted number one. No,
1: no, no, pick. yeah. And they had, and they got Danny Heatley in the two thousand draft.
0: Well, second. If, if you want to, and s- that's
1: as you said to be very
0: bad as well. If if you if you want to segue it into former number one overall picks, um, freaking Joe Thornton.
1: Oh, good grief. What the hell is going on with that? That makes absolutely no sense to me at all. It's
0: garbage. To, it's to, to, to think that magically taking his letter off of that jersey is going to somehow motivate the team further um, is, is rubbish. It, it really is just terrible to...
1: Well it's it's really weird because they had a change of ownership. They got rid of Drew Drew Remender from their broadcast team. They decided huge to bring mistake. in he was yeah, pretty good. Yeah, he is. Um, they bought in the Ice Girls for the on ice package that they provide. And then it's almost like up top they've gone, no, nah, you gotta get you gotta get rid of Jumbo Joe So do whatever you possibly can to tick him off.
0: To go tick <laughs> and off your best player whose possession is otherworldly who had 65 assists last year not points oh my god what a day they are just effing up a good thing they were one of the best teams last year they had an undesirable result blowing a three nothing series lead obviously it's going to leave a really bad taste in your mouth but what you have to do is you have to look at why did this happen and a lot of that can be traced to Mark Edward Vlasic going down, their best yeah. defenseman, and their goaltending not being terrific. They benched Niemi and they played Stalak. And I don't know. I mean, if, hey, La- if we, Vlasic we talk- doesn't get hurt, are we even talking about
1: this? Look, we were talking about narratives. The narrative is is that Marlow and Thornton can't win when it matters.
0: Arlo has the most freaking playoff goals since, like, 1998 or something like that, I read. Yeah, but the the old-school
1: argument is, what's he won? And they can get there and say nothing. And so the easy narrative there is to go, we'll get rid of them.
0: Simple team mindset. Yeah, and that
1: team is still good. That team is still a quality team. There's no
0: reason to blow it up. They blew it up. They started signing guys like – re-signing guys like Mike Brown, bringing in guys like John Scott. Yeah, well, that's just, yeah. Yeah. Letting Marty Havlett go. I love Marty Havlett. Not not that he's a a huge difference maker these days, but you're really going to have to sell me a lot stronger. Actually, I'm not sure you can sell me on the fact that having Marty Havlett at what he makes for the Devils right now makes less sense than going out and getting John Scott and keeping Mike Brown.
1: (laughs) Yeah, okay, that, that makes no sense. I really wanted the penguins to get have left, but he was never gonna fit.
0: <laughs> well, what's he making? One point five, that ain't bad. That probably would have fit off. That's always a concern, but it's man, the sharks. Overreact. They had a really, really good thing going on and Well it it does
1: feel like they're trying to piss him off enough.
0: To waive the to no trade,
1: yeah, and then send him to to send him somewhere he doesn't want to go.
0: Well, he doesn't want to
1: go, full stop. But just to send him out of town, I mean, there'll be a lot of lot of suitors, and they'll get a they'll get a lot back for him. But they'd be silly to do it.
0: I don't know. They're not going to get enough back to where it makes sense to ditch him. He's still highly productive. Um. Here's the nice thing. No, they've handled this extremely poorly but these guys are still on the team you know what i'm saying like they're not well i haven't got
1: rid of him yet so yeah
0: patrick marlowe being the other one of of who i'm kind of hinting at
1: yeah i thought that's who you were alluding to
0: actually the funny thing is uh joe thornton went number one patrick marlowe actually went number two to san jose in that draft overall
1: oh wow (laughs)
0: that's hilarious so um they're still on the team, and they've both been captain of the Sharks, so they're pretty good as far as the intangible aspect of things. Yes, would we agree on that? So they'll probably handle this like professionals. They'll show up to the rink, even though they've been dragged through the mug publicly. They'll show yeah. up, and they'll, they'll still continue to play at the level that they play at, Um so, hey, if the Sharks want to make a mistake and trade a guy like Marlow, I think the Penguins should be kicking the tires on something like that.
1: Yeah, and give up and give up a lot for it. Well, you you get there and you say it and you go, well, a team like Pittsburgh had lost someone like Marlow, but what would you be willing to give up? The one piece that I thought that they could give up for someone like that would have been James Neal.
0: Sutter Martin.
1: I suppose Martin would, because hasn't he got a limited no-trade clause?
0: He ain't going to say no to San Jose.
1: No, that's that's what I mean. He'd get there and go. Surely he'd be okay going there. Like,
0: particularly like, with like Brent situations. Burns is going to play D for them next year. That's the plan right now. But if you get yeah. a guy like Martin, maybe he bumps back up to forward. I don't know. I, I would still
1: keep him forward to be perfectly honest. That would be the way I would
0: think of it. That's just my selfish hey. Penguins point of view, though. I'm not so sure. Oh, of course. Um that's realistic but you know I think it would help the Pens. yeah no no definitely um,
1: I'm just I'm looking through the drafts and right now you sort of look at the guys that have flopped from their their picks and you go you know 93 Daigle Brian Barrad, so so. Well,
0: no, he was really, really good. That, that Until was a, he had his eye. That's a freak thing. He was a good. I don't know. No, no, I purely
1: understand that. Then you go Patrick Stefan, Rick DiPietro, body fell apart in him. Uh, Eric Johnson, so so for me. Yeah, he's not um, a number the,
0: one guy. He's he's a yeah close, no no no. He's a good defenseman, but yeah. what who, who went right after him? Some uh, really great it? players, right? If yeah. I'm correct.
1: Right. Uh, well my boy Jordan Stahl, Jonathan Tate oh well Backstrom, Kessel Resab Aposto yeah. just to tell you what that was a deep draft like That o- of- that was that
0: 03 was that was 06 uh
1: that's O six. 6 yeah that's the stall draft the 03 draft the big one for me it's, yeah that was a lot of Pittsburgh well Pittsburgh traded up to get their goalie of the future yeah Great. That's the big one for me. And well he might be my favourite player, but they could have had Eric Stahl, Thornton, Ryan Souter, uh,
0: Carter. It worked it's out great like because 11. it led to it, cut win the win the Crosby win. Malkin kind of picks. Yeah.
1: I mean it it worked, but you do get there and you just you try to take that particular draft isolated. You know, without looking forward, so you get there and go, yeah, that's an interesting decision. Yeah, because they had no idea they were going to get, you know, Crosby as a center in the next two years. Um, Eric Stahl would have Stoll would have been a great number one pick. He's a dominant center. They wouldn't He'd have, have every reason to pick a guy like that at number one.
0: They wouldn't have Crosby and Malkin, but yes, I agree with your thought process totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all if buts and maybes, but yeah, it was an interesting decision. Uh, we should end this. We went down we go. a draft.
1: We went down a draft wormhole there. Whoops.
0: We should end this before we get on flurry.
1: Yeah. Okay. Please do. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> nah, I think we've covered everything we need to.
1: Oh, I think so. So. I'm just not in the mood to. Uh, pointlessly try and defend my favorite player.
0: Yeah, let's save that for another week. No, let's do that. Because I could go about 20, 25 minutes. And I can do without that. (laughs) Yep, I'm sure you (laughs) (laughs) can.
1: It's not good when there's numbers that totally tear apart the guy that you you enjoy
0: watching. I I enjoy his aesthetic qualities of his athleticism, but um, I don't care for the results.
1: Yeah, and fundamentally, that's the problem I have as well.
0: Well, how about some self-promotion? Go for it. Okay. Find me at Gunnar Stahl on Twitter. Find our website at hockey underscore hertz on Twitter, hockeyhertz.com. Um, we are, there is the Hockey Prospectus 2014-2015 book that it should be coming out in the next three weeks or so. I've um, done some work on that. I, I did the Penguins Avalanche chapters, both the essays and the the, the player summaries, and I contributed a little bit to the uh, Senators player summaries. So um, I think that's a great annual book. Obviously, I'm biased, but I, I do think there's if you're into the advanced stats it's it's probably one of the best books out there uh to get your fix on that um i think that's it for me yes
1: yeah i think so um for me it's uh at walshy 66 um obviously we've got our our website so hockeyhurst.com uh, we've got our hashtag uh hockeyhurst so if you want to ask us some questions um, flick them through, I mean now's a good time to ask because there's not a lot going on as you can tell by our hiatus over the last few weeks um, also I've got my uh, my training site so coachcw.com um, I've got some online stuff there that, that can help you with your training um, in, the, in the gym and, and outdoors and all those sorts of things so give you a little bit of structure um, other than that we've got time ahead over the next month before we start getting to watch some games so it'll be interesting to see what we come up with, it'll be good if we can you know, keep these once a week for you guys at the moment, Ryan and I both enjoy doing them, we've just got to have the topics to go over I suppose
0: Yeah and I think I think in the near future we'll uh, we'll start to see a lot of that so that, that'll that be nice Yeah, it'll be good it be good fun Alright Can't guarantee the next podcast. We'll we'll be on a schedule during the season, but, uh, you know, as we get towards training camp, obviously there'll be a lot to talk about because maybe some teams get rid of some players that you wouldn't have otherwise thought of. There's always a few roster moves in training camp time where you're like, wow that's that's pretty interesting so we're, we're entering that territory coming up in september um camps what two weeks away um well yeah that'll be september so you're right it is. so yeah we're, we'll we'll be on more of a <clears throat> a regular schedule here um i mean we apologize for being off as long as we were but You know, we don't want to put a crappy product out there, so we want something that's worth listening to. That's that's the crux of it. So, Um, until the next time, which should be um, sooner than what this past time was, um, I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. All right, we'll catch you next time.